the Lord. I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your copy of the scripture today to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah, chapter 1, toward the end of the Old Testament. You'll find this little book of four chapters that just tells a story of a prophet. The Lord has been, the last several weeks, just been hitting my heart with familiar passages of Scripture and just kind of opening up a little differently as, uh, as, we, as I've been studying those. And, and this is just like one of those. It's one of those uh, passages from Jonah. Most of us, we're going to rehearse the story today and we're going to tell it. But there's some different things that I want us to, to look at this morning. The, the title of the message is this, Running Away. Running Away. Anybody ever run away? Right? I remember when I was a kid, I was eight years old. I don't know what happened um, in my home, but something made me mad. And I decided I was running away. So I went into my bedroom and I packed up my bag. Had about two or three pairs of shorts in it, a couple t shirts, right? Went into the kitchen and found some crackers, peanut butter crackers, and put them in there. And man, I was, I was leaving. I was done. Eight years old, man, I was done. I was ready, man. I'm, I, I can't believe that. I don't, and the funniest thing is today, I can't even remember what caused me to even think that way, right? But man, I was done. I was leaving home. So I'd seen all the commercials where you get your, your uh, little pole, right? You get your little pole, so I grabbed the baseball bat, and I got my, my, my bag, and I had my little pole, and I was walking, man. I was leaving. Got past my parents. They were in the living room. My, my room was all the way to the back. I made it all the way down the hallway, got into the living room to my parents, thinking that they'd go, you know, what, let's rethink this. Let's stop. Let's think this through. And to my surprise, I got through, and I told my dad. He was sitting in there on the couch, and I said, I'm running away. He says, okay, we'll see you. Well, that just made me even more mad, right? <laughs> so I walk out the front door, and, and I'm, I'm walking down the street a little bit, and we lived on a corner. It was a four-way stop. It was a little uh, subdivision-type place. It was a corner, and I got to the stop sign, and all of a sudden, the thought hit me. Boy, those peanut butter crackers aren't going to be enough. <laughs> Did I really have it so bad? And I stopped there in the middle of the road, and I began to think, and I'm just sitting there like this, and I'm sure, I, 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 Mom never said this, but, you know, a, a dad will say, I'm, I'll see you later, and Mom's like, no, my baby, don't let her go, right? And I think Mom was sitting there in the window kind of watching me, and I'm just standing there looking at this stop sign thinking, okay, A, where do I go, and B, what happens next, Right? I'm running away, but what am I running to? You know, a lot of people do that with God. We think, man, I'm going to run away. I, 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 God has, has let me down. There are things that have happened in my life, situations that have taken place, and I'm running away. But when we get out there and we start thinking about it, and maybe we may run for a while, and you may make it farther than the corner stop sign. But when we get out there for a while and we start to think about it, all of a sudden we're like, where am I running to? 
Where am I going? Jonah, we're going to look up a little bit about Jonah because, see, Jonah was an epic example of someone who ran away from God. Usually, it's, it's said that there are basically two reasons why people run away from God. Number one is they're frightened and fearful of loss. They think that God will try to control them. We talked about that this morning, right? It's funny how God just puts everything together. Um, we talked about that this morning, that they would, uh, God would try to control them, or, or maybe this idea that it would cost them too much. And the list of things that I'd have to give up is too big if I made a decision to completely follow God and ran to Him instead of running from Him. Maybe we hear a message that uh, convicts us and then we start to run away instead of running to. Or, or maybe we're just comfortable with where we are. We don't want to be pushed on. And so whenever the time comes and, and the pushing and the prompting of the Lord comes, we, we resist and we, oh, and we run. And then there's also the other mindset is this. Sometimes we're afraid of God doing too much good. When I read that, this is, I, f- I found that somewhere, this, these two mindsets. And I read that, I'm like, really? We're afraid that God might do too much good. And then that, that kind of stuck in the, my mind for just a minute. I'm fine with God blessing my own life, but I'm not too crazy about God blessing people that don't deserve it. I mean, just think about that now. Come on, don't look at me like I, you're self-righteous. Don't look at me with that attitude this morning. Sometimes we think, man, I'm okay with God blessing me, but man, they're going to bless somebody else down the road. He don't deserve that. Right? That's the same mentality Jonah has. As we read this passage, Jonah's a good example of someone who's trying to run away from God because he knows that God is good. It was said... uh, and a lot of times what we do is we just run, and we run aimlessly. There's a story of a, a doctor. His name is Dr. Adler, Mortimer Adler. Um, and he was in a discussion group um, over tea at someone's home. And he got so disgusted that he jumped up out of his chair, and he ran and opened the door and slammed it shut. One person trying to just relieve tension remarked, well, I guess he's gone. And the host of the home says, no, he isn't. That's a closet. You know, sometimes we, we have that mentality too, don't we? We run away kind of all in a huff, but it's a dead end. Where are you going to go? Let's read this passage of Scripture. It's in Jonah chapter 1. There are 16 verses in the chapter. We're going to read the entire chapter today. Um, let's begin in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish and to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. 
And the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. When they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Father, today I, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, God, do what Holy Spirit, do what it's you can do today. The only thing you can do, and what you do is you draw people to you. God, there may be people here today that, that have claimed to be Christians, or they've, uh, or maybe, God, they've made a commitment to you, but they're running in the opposite direction that you're trying to call them to. God, reach down to them today. There may be those here today that are just running. Maybe they don't have a commitment to you, but today they're just running. God, I pray that instead of running away from you, that we would run to you. God, I pray that you'd bless this time together and speak to our hearts this morning. And uh, God, just get me out of the way so you can speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in this time of Hebrew history, there weren't many prophets available. There were three known at this time. There was um, Hosea, there was Amos, and there was Jonah. Um, this time in Israelite history, the northern kingdom was enjoying great military strength. They were enjoying a time of monetary prosperity. And it was probably one of the best times that they had experienced since the days of Solomon. Judah was also strong. They were also healthy at this time. But because of their affluence, because they had all of this stuff and they were at peace and everything was going really well, they also had become lax in their worship. Their attitude toward God and prosperity and peace, because of that, God decides that He's going to speak to both nations about this. And, and so Amos had come from the southern kingdom, and he had prophesied to the northern kingdom. Now Amos, coming from the south, his mentality, his approach was a little harsher than maybe the rest of them. As you read the book of Amos, you'll get that. He was a little bit more harsher than, than some of them. Hosea was someone who was from the northern kingdom. And so um, it talks about when you read the book of Hosea, how he wept over the northern kingdom's indifference toward worship. And so since he was from there, that's where he pretty much primarily spoke to. Jonah was also from the northern kingdom, but he lived close to the border. And Jonah... Um, 
was, he had already prophesied about how the northern kingdom would become strong. You can read that in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. He had prophesied how the northern kingdom was going to be strong and prosper. And, and God uh, desired to speak to his people, um, even though they weren't really anxious to hear. And all three prophets were to give this message. Amos spoke it harshly, Um, Hosea spoke it with a softer tone, and Jonah, Jonah was popular, he was the most popular of the three. You know why? Because he spoke good news to them. He spoke that they were going to be living in expansion and prosperity, and, and that they were God's privileged people, and and they liked this thought process that Jonah was telling them. And Jonah had a reputation that was good among the people as a prophet because he liked what they were telling him. Sometimes when God tells you to speak something, it will cost you your reputation. When God asks you to do sometimes, it'll cost you the things that pe- the way people think about you. You can understand why Jonah wasn't real thrilled with God's orders here, because even though it, it concerned a harsh word against not God's people, but against an enemy of God, he was concerned and he knew how God would be loving and forgiving and that he would uh, come to that city of Nineveh with grace and forgiveness. And he also knew that because they were such a harsh enemy of Israel, this would get out among the Israelite people, and that'd be problems. It'd ruin his reputation. And so he comes up with reasons, and I'm sure that he's, he's like, listen, I don't want to do this. There's the story of a farmer, and he asked his neighbor if he could borrow some rope. And the neighbor said, sorry, I'm going to use the rope to, uh, to tie up my milk. The farmer says, milk? You can't tie milk up with a rope. He says, I know, but when a man doesn't want to do something, one reason is just as good as another. And so Jonah's like, I don't want to do this. Israel, what would happen if these wicked Israel enemies of Israel might repent? What if God would show them good? And so he probably thought, man, if I can just get out of here, if I can just get out of town, if I can just run, then everything will be okay. God can use somebody else to do what He's called me to do if I just run away from it. I want to tell you something right here. This is, this is a pause right here. If God's called you to do something, His call is irrevocable. How do I know that God's call is irrevocable? Because God doesn't make mistakes. If God says it, He means it. If God's calling you to do something and you're not doing it, if you're running away, His call is still there. But it's you who've chosen to not be obedient to it. Some people I know in my lifetime, God has called them to ministry. God has called them to a full-time ministerial capacity. But they decided that they didn't want to do that, so they ran the opposite way. God's call never is wrong and I talked to those people later on in life and you know what they found that they were miserable doing what they're doing you know why because they were disobedient 
to what God had called them to do. God can do, he, even later on, like Jonah, he, he went the opposite direction. So here, here's the deal. Jonah, he decides, man, here's what I'm going to do. He carefully comes up with a plan. This is premeditated. This isn't just fly by the seat of his pants thinking, what am I going to do? I think I'll just walk down the Joppa and just see what happens. That wasn't the plan. He had a premeditated plan. So he walks down the Joppa, which is a seaport, and he boards a ship. He buys a boat ticket, and he says, I'm going to sail away. Probably got him a ukulele. That's not scriptural. And decide I'm going to sail away. Hops on board a ship. Justifies, I'm sure he was justifying his actions all the way. Man, they're a wicked people. They deserve what they get. I'm not going to ask how many times we've said that. The irony here is to prevent God saving hundreds of thousands of Gentiles, Jonah gets on board a Gentile ship. He doesn't want to preach to them. He just wants to use them. Oh. I'm not going to touch that one. But you know it'll preach. How many times are people in our life, we don't want to save them, we don't want to tell Jesus to them, we just want to use them for what they can get us. Oh. Mm. I don't have time to go there today. So you stop to think, after all of this happened, why would God want to send Jonah to Nineveh? Now that he's done this, well, there's a couple reasons. Nineveh was ready. Nineveh had experienced two plagues. They had experienced a solar eclipse. And for those people that didn't know God, a solar eclipse was something that was very scary to them. It was something that would frighten them. So their hearts were, were ready. They were, they were rhymed. They were ripe for harvest, if you will. And Jonah knew this. God knew this, and Jonah did too. And Jonah didn't want what to happen what he knew God would do. If you read on and, and you read through the book of Jonah, you find at the end of the book of Jonah after God, um, spoiler alert here, God does save the people, they repent, and, and uh, he does end up there. I'm sorry, that's a spoiler alert, but we'll get there in a minute. At the end of chapter 4, Jonah is upset at God. Can you imagine? Jonah is upset with God, and he's sitting there underneath this vine, and he says, God, I knew you'd do it. I knew you'd save them. I knew that your grace and your mercy, I knew you'd save them. That's why I didn't want to come here. Right? That's my paraphrase, but that's what he said. Probably with that accent and thing too. But God had a plan the whole time, and he knew what was going to happen. So why would God still use Jonah after he said no? God doesn't make mistakes. As I said earlier, his call didn't change. You know, in reality, Jonah had this mentality that he was going to run away. He has this reckless attitude. We talked about the first step was he had a plan to run away. The next thing is he has this reckless attitude. You, you know that you really can't run away from God, right? Sure enough, God knows exactly where Jonah is. 
He starts to send the message to him through the wind and the water and the storm, right? And things get real stormy when we run from God. Jonah is found laying asleep in the belly of the boat with the Gentiles he's riding with, and they're up there trying to save his skin and theirs. These guys are sacrificing. Check this out. They're sacrificing their load. That's huge. That's their money. They're sacrificing all of their load, trying to make the ship lighter. And they, have, and they come down and they say, hey man, can you at least pray? Why are you down here sleeping? Don't you know what's going on? At the bottom of the boat, why was he at the bottom of the boat? I think he was there because he thought he could hide there better. That's kind of that's that's kind of the thing with Adam and Eve did that, right? When God caught him in sin, what's the first thing they did? Oh, we gotta hide. When they're disobedient, we gotta hide, man. God won't find me here. Because we like things to be our way. We want things to be comfortable. These men were sacrificing everything that they owned to try to save their lives and Jonah's, while Jonah wouldn't sacrifice anything to see the lives of people saved. And the captain asked him, how can you sleep? How can you sleep? You know, I, I've uh, had the privilege of going on um, some cruises in my life. One particular cruise, we were uh, in like the bottom of the bottom of the boat. Kind of like this, he's in the bottom of the belly of the boat. We're in the bottom of the boat, and the first two days at sea, man, it wasn't anything like this, but boy, it was rocky, right? And so we're walking around, and you feel, it kind of feels crazy, because you're kind of walking like this. Stable, stable ground, right? Um, they call them sea legs sometimes, but man, it's, it's really bad. And we're laying there in bed, and... And as we're laying in bed, you kind of just feel this, I couldn't sleep for nothing. I couldn't sleep at all. I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm on a water bed, and it's not water on the bed. And, uh, you know, you try to get up, and you're like, man, I'll just get me a drink of water, and you bang your head against the wall because, you, you know, it, it's, it's bad. So I'm, I'm trying to imagine Jonah in the belly of this boat sleeping. While all this is going on, this had to be an incredible storm. You know why? Because these guys were skilled sailors. And if they're dumping everything that they have to try to make this better, if they're giving up all this and sacrificing all this and going down and saying, hey man, you need to pray to your God because this is bad. Right? That's a bad thing. And all they asked him to do was just pray. Nowhere in Scripture do I read in here that he prayed. You know why he didn't pray? Because he knew he was the problem. So these guys, they're trying everything they know to do. They're asking him to pray. And what do they have on their hands? They have an ornery believer. Boy, that's a tough situation, right? I'm not going to ask how many of you feel like you know somebody that's an honorary believer and don't point fingers. But that's tough. 
he continues that way, and they, they come asking him for help, and they didn't care that he was a Jew. It didn't matter. They didn't even know who he was. It didn't matter at that point because they're just like, listen, we have to get, we're going to lose everything if we don't do this. And Jonah watches them, and they, they get to the point where like, okay, let's cast lots. We've got to find out who this is. That's, that was something they did. If you look at the New Testament, whenever they were uh, uh, picking the 12th disciple, disciple, the one that would replace Judas, they cast lots. And, and that was kind of a way that they, they did that back in that day. And so they cast lots, and the lot falls on Jonah. And so they're disgusted, man. They're, they're like, what in the world have you done? And they ask him these questions. And uh, it's like interrogation here now, because it's like, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Are you in the storm-making business? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people are you? And ironically, he tells them that he belongs to the people of the one true God. Ironic, it's interesting here that he can brag about his membership to the kingdom of God, but he can't. He runs from God whenever he tells them to do something. I'm pause here for just a moment because I think sometimes in our life, and we've heard words after words of, of God, the Holy Spirit speaking to our church and speaking to us. And man, we come and we worship and we, we experience God. And that's great. But I wonder sometimes if God's not speaking something to us of something he has for us to do. And instead of doing that, we go the opposite direction. Instead of obeying God and doing what he wants us to do and, and fulfilling the call, fulfilling the things that he's placed in our life, we pick up and go the opposite way. Jonah had done that. I mean, they were out. He, he's bragging about his membership. Yeah, I'm a member of uh, Israelite people. One true God. Yeah. I serve him. And what are you doing here? Well, you see, he told me to do something I didn't want to do. And the sad thing is, there are many Christian people who think, yeah, I'm a member of Biswell Assembly of God. I'm a member of this particular church. I, I know the true and living God. Well, then why are you experiencing in the midst of this storm? It's because God's told me to do something that I don't want to do. I think all of us have experienced that at some point in our life. There are things that God's told me to do that I'm like, oh, oh man, God, really? I don't want to do that. I look like an idiot. And it's been my experience that God says, I don't care what you look like. I told you to do it. There have been times in my life when I've experienced the 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 hand of God and, and the voice of God that told me to do certain things. I want you to go speak to that person. I want you to do that. I want you to give this. I want this to be part of your life. And, and man, sometimes that's real easy, right? And sometimes it's just not. But God's not looking for somebody that's just going to obey him when it's easy. 
He's not just looking for somebody that's going to obey Him whenever it's convenient and when it's stuff that you like to do. God's looking for someone that will surrender all to Him and say, I not only give you the things I'm comfortable with, but I give you the things I'm uncomfortable with. God, not only do I give you my life, but I wrap that up with no escape clause. There are no clauses in this thing that say, God, I give you my life unless you call me to missions. I give you my life unless you ask me to go to my neighbors. I give you my life unless you... Dot, dot, dot. God says, then you really didn't give me your life. You really didn't give me all, if that's all that you're about. Jonah was someone that, yeah, did he know God? Yes. Did God speak to him? Yes. But he finds himself in this predicament. Why? Because he decided that he wanted to do what he wanted to do and that he was right. And God was not. And so they finally ask him this, this question, these, boat, these sailors do, what can we do to make this storm calm down? And here's an amazing thing that I find that, that I never saw before because it was a mentality that I missed. Jonah tells them this. He says, throw me in the sea. Throw me overboard. Do you know what he's saying when he says that? He's saying this, I would rather die than go to Nineveh. Because he could have had a moment on that ship in the middle of that storm when he would have cried out to God and said, God, okay, I understand. God, spare these guys. Spare this ship. I'm gonna, when we get back to the next port, I'll get on a ship and I'll go right where you want me to go. I will do that. I, I will make that happen. He could have done that. And God, I know the God I serve. He would have been gracious. And he would have said, okay, as long as you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And he'd have held him to it. But Jonah says, no, he doesn't do that. He says, here's how you stop it. You throw me overboard. He had no idea there was a big fish coming. He had no idea what was going to happen when he's on that boat. And if you're at a boat in the middle of the sea, in the middle of, of uh, deep waters, and there's a storm coming, there is little chance of survival if you're thrown overboard. And so he says this, I would rather die here in this sea. I would rather drown than go to Nineveh. I would rather die than do what God's asked me to do. The thing about running away from God is this. The more that you run and the more that you try to run, the more uh, crazy your mindset starts to think. The more selfish we become. The more sinful we get. Because you are turning your back on God and what He wants for you and you're doing whatever you want to do. You stop to think about that. He could have chose any port in the known world. Right? Right? He's in Joppa. Nineveh was way over there by the guitar. It was east on the map, in tar in the, in, uh, on the eastern side of, of the known world at that time. So he picks this port to go to, and he says, I'm going to go to Tarshish. He could have went anywhere, my friend. He could have went any place 
to an island somewhere, but he chose Tarshish. You know why he chose Tarshish? Because it was the farthest point away of west of the known world, which means Nineveh is the farthest point from where I'll be. And that's what we do. When we start running from God, we get farther and farther and farther and farther and farther from where he wants us. And as we continue to walk in disobedience, you know what happens in our life? Our, that voice of his gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until we get so far away that at times we can't even hear anymore. He calls him, and they told him this, what do we do? Throw, I'd rather die. Throw me overboard. They throw him in. They have this repentative moment because these guys, they don't want his death to be on them. And it's amazing here that God uses this moment. See, God can even use your stupidity to see someone come to know Christ. <laughs> Happens to me all the time. God can use your stupidity to bless somebody. These sailors here in this story, check out what happens. They took Jonah, threw him overboard. The raging sea grew calm. And at this, these men greatly feared the Lord and they offered sacrifices to the Lord. And they did what? They made vows to the Lord. God used this as a way to, to touch those people. As soon as they threw Jonah overboard, the sea grew calm. And now, what would take place in Jonah's life? He's thinking, man, I'm just going to die. But God sends this great fish. <laughs> he gets swallowed up by a sea creature that is something as big as a whale. You know, we used to say in the story, you know, Jonah and the whale, we used to teach that to our kids. It could have been a whale. We don't know. The Bible just says great fish. So it was a whopper. Ironically, Jonah had spent the entire time in the luxury of the belly of the boat. Now he was getting a free return trip in the belly of a fish. And I don't know if you've thought this or not. How many of you like the fish? How many of you know whenever you clean that fish, what your hands smell like? And your body smells like, right? My grandfather, he had a, a, a lake bes beside his house, and that's probably more of a pond. We called it a lake. It's indifferent. Um, and we would go fishing over there. And whenever we get done fishing, he'd bring them up, and he'd fillet them, and, and Grandma would cook them and eat them. But before Grandma would cook them and eat them, we had something we had to do, leave all of our fish stuff outside. Because if you bring that fish stuff in here, I ain't cooking this food for you, right? Because you stink. Now, I want you to stop for just a minute. We were just catching the fish and cleaning the fish. We weren't living inside the fish. Experiencing everything that that fish experienced as he swam across the lake in the pond, Right? Bible says he was in that fish for three days, three nights. How many of you know in three days and three nights, fish are going to eat? And so he's experiencing everything that fish is experiencing. He's, whatever that seaweed, whether that's other fish, whatever he's eating, Jonah's experiencing it. 
How many of you know what your stomach is made up of? Acid. Oh, come on. What's acid do to your color of your clothes and your hair? Turns it white, right? Stomach is made up of very strong acids that break down your food. Animals have the same kind of makeup. So he's in the belly of this fish, experiencing the smells, the odors, the, the stuff, the seaweed, all that thing. And finally, he has a revelation. That's in chapter 2. And he makes a decision that says, you know what, instead of running away from God, I better run to God. Because I see that there's no really getting out of this, and this is pretty miserable. Now, I'm going to continue on with this thought process, but I want you to... Un- could you imagine being a fisherman on the shore by Nineveh? And you're throwing in your line, and all of a sudden, this fish poof, throws up this man. And you're out there fishing, right? All of a sudden, this man who'd been in the belly of a fish starts walking to the shore, right? You could probably smell him for days. He walks up. He's probably got his clothes are probably tattered. They've probably got some kind of like the acid stuff. He's probably got a piece of seaweed stuck right here. And, and, and you're out there. All of a sudden, man, you see this man coming out of the ocean, walking out. You never saw him walk in. All you're doing is seeing him walk out. And you're thinking, what? Right? And Jonah walks on the shore and he says, repent. How many of you know that's revival right there, right? There's revival happening right there. That's the take, takes place. Jonah finds God in the belly of this fish. And instead of running from God, he started running to God. He understood that he couldn't run away. He, those things were thought process that he can't run away from the Lord. And I'm going to tell you the same thing. You may think that you've got it nailed down, but you can't run away from God. Jonah had, if, if Jonah had originally gone to Nineveh, it would have been about one month, about a one-month trip as he walked. But now it would cost him even more time because he took a detour. What did he gain by trying to run from God? Well, he had bitterness in his heart. You kind of read that as you read through chapter 1 and on through Jonah, really, as you read through the book, as you get to chapter 4. He faced that storm, that storming climate. It cost an entire crew all of their supplies. And it got a ride in the belly of a huge fish. Running away from God will always cost you something. Have you ever been in a place where you told God no? Have you ever been in a place where you turned your back and ran away when God was calling you? I guarantee that if you answered either one of those questions, yes, then it's cost you something. This morning, I want to, as, as I close this time, I want to ask this question. Are you running away from the Lord? Some of you are here today, and maybe this is the first time you've been in a church service for a while. 
Maybe you've never been in church service before. And you're not, you've not made a decision for Christ and then running away, but you're just running. And God's calling to you today to stop your running and go to him. See, that's what repentance really is. See, when we have sin in our life, what we're doing is we're running away from God. But when we repent, that word repentance actually means this. I'm doing a 180 and turning around. And suddenly running away, I'm running toward. And today, maybe you're in that situation where, man, you've got your spiritual bags packed and you're kind of, if that's you, you're wandering around aimlessly looking for truth, looking for love, looking for something to take place in your life. And you've been running from God, and maybe you never even knew it, but you're running from God with your sin. And today I want to challenge you. Go home. Go back home. Go back to Jesus. See, I'll end this how I started I got to that stop sign, and I started realizing, you know, things are better back home. I got a bed. I got meals. I'm provided for. I'm loved. And you know what happened? I got to that stop sign, and I probably waited out there for 15 solid minutes, and I turned around and went right back into the house. You know what else I did? I went to my parents, and I just said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, that's what God asks from us. If you're running away from him today, he's just waiting for you to come home. To put his arms around you and let you know he loves you. And all it takes is for you to say, I'm sorry. I'm coming home. Maybe you're here today and you've accepted Christ, but maybe for whatever reason you're running away from him. It could be like Jonah that God's told you something that he has for your life. Maybe it's a plan that you don't like. Maybe it's a, something that God's instructing you to do that, that you don't want any part of. Man, I can't serve in that capacity. I can't. I can't be a leader. I can't. I don't, God, I know you're, you're putting that on my heart, but I, I know you want me to be a leader in my church, but, but God, I can't do that. God, I know that you're wanting me to, take, to step up and, and to do this or, or to take that ministry or, or to, to fulfill this call. I, I know you're wanting me to do that, God, but I, I can't. You've got the wrong guy. You've got the wrong lady. So what do we do? Oh, we don't leave church but spiritually what we do is we pack our bags. And unless you're fulfilling what God's wanting you to do, you're not running toward him. And if you're not running toward him, you're running away from him. Because there is no neutrality. So I ask a question today. Which way are you running? Whether you're a sinner here this morning or a saint, which way? Are you running? Bow your heads, please. Father, today, I know in my life there have been times when I've ran both directions. 
there were times in my life when, Lord, shamefully, I didn't run towards you like I should have. But, God, you're always patient with me. God, I know that you're patient with us. You were patient with Jonah, but you got his attention. And so here this morning, I feel like, Holy Spirit, you're trying to get our attention. So Holy Spirit, right now, those people that aren't running to you, but they're running away from you, God, right now, I pray that you pull their heart in Jesus' name. You're here this morning, and you'd be honest with God, and you'd say, Pastor, I'm not running to God. And if you're not running to God, chances are you're running away from him. You say, I'm not doing what God wants me to do. I'm not fulfilling the call he's got me in my life. I'm living in sin. I need to repent. If that's you this morning, would you slip up your hand right now? We want to pray with you today. Pastor, that's me. Pastor, that's me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm not running to God. I'm running away from God. But today I want to make a decision. God, you don't have to send a big fish to get my attention. God, today I want to go your way. Is there anyone else this morning? God's calling you to do something for him. I challenge you to do what he's calling you to do because you don't know the eternal impact that you make by saying yes to Christ. Would you stand with me across this sanctuary this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you, Lord, that you're patient with us. I thank you, God, that you know what's best for us. And I thank you for the call of God. The call that goes out to us that that you're speaking to our hearts about doing ministry, about doing things, about being leadership, about about, uh, the things that you have for us to do at our school and in our job and with our family. And and God, you've got all of these things in a path of how you want us to grow close to you and how you want us to just run into your arms. And God, how awesome it is when, when we come with you and do things your way. But God, there's also, God, sometimes we decide we want to run our way. God, forgive us of that. Help us to not run away from you, but to run to you today. God, I see you doing great things in our midst. I see you doing great things in our our church. And, And God, I'm so grateful. And today, as we committed ourselves earlier, we surrender our life to you. We surrender our life. We could surrender our will. God, whatever it is you want us to do, I I pray that we would do it. And so, Holy Spirit, now, since we are a body that says, I'm running to God and I want to do what He wants me to do, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just visit people this week and speak into their heart. Speak into their life about ministry opportunities, about things that maybe they wouldn't hadn't seen before, but God, they looked through it with a new lens. That God, you would move in their life. And God, today for those that raised their hand this morning, 
I pray, God, that as we come before you today, and God, we ask for your forgiveness, that God, you would just move in us as we run to you. I know you have great plans. So God, we, we submit those plans in our life to you today. God, go with us, be with us this evening today. Help us, God, this week to be vessels that you use to see the kingdom of God touch souls and lives in the advance. We praise you, God, in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen.